Hello, and welcome to the So Emotional Podcast. Here on the cast, we discuss everything emotions through the lens of attachment, the nervous system, and internal parts work. We're a little irreverent and like to have fun exploring the emotional issues and dynamics that interest us. So come along and hang out. Let's explore the fascinating lands of emotions. Welcome to the So Emotional Podcast. My name is Nick Carl, and this is Angela Wetzel. And it's So Emotional Podcast number six, Anxious Attachment. Angela Wetzel is a life coach, trauma-informed, cool lady, knows tons <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> and I am a, uh, you know, like somatic experiencing, you know, emotional nerd. I've read a lot of books, let me tell you. Anyway. Psychonaut. 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 Yeah, some kind of knot. Anyway. We're going to talk about anxious attachment today, Angela. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you I'm anxious? Ready. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> so I, I wanted to start off by like, okay, anxious attachment. We and we were talking about a spectrum of sort of there's like a middle, and then there's two poles, right? And so anxious is mm -hmm. on one of those sides of poles, okay? And then I was yeah. thinking, okay, what what is attachment? And the way I described it was a set of like behavioral patterns almost right it's like that that come up so it's like you meet somebody new and you're gonna uh like how do you act right so if you are in the middle you're in the middle like neutral uh some call it uh secure it's mm -hmm. like you can get close to me you can go away really i'm comfortable with both places right there's like i'm actually really comfortable here centered in my own being because i'm so secure right like mm -hmm. it doesn't like what you do like i can just sort of like take it or leave it i'm like not really attached to what you do that's like a nice like healthy 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 it's a nice secure and it, it's uh maybe the preferred way to be but is everybody like that like no not not everybody no not, they, not even probably very many so that when we when we talk about yeah. anxious we're talking about I always think it about as getting closer. So we're going to define it. So it's like when I think about people who are anxious, it's like to feel safe, I need proximity. So I need to be closer to you. That's what I think about it. Like, uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about when you think about anxious? How do you um, define it? Well, in order to give people that don't know about attachment theory, just like a little bit more of a background, attachment has to do with the quality of our bond to other humans. So that starts off with our parents and whether or not we could rely on them and what the emotional connection was like. Um, and then of course, from that relationship informs our attachment. So how did we attach? Were we securely attached or insecurely attached? And you can kind of start to gather some definitions from just thinking about the difference between a person that's insecure. If there's an insecure bond, it's not totally established. There's not a lot of trust or a lot of safety and security in that and if there's a secure attachment it's like very solid it's reliable it's consistent um you're able to expect people are always there and of course that has a certain effect on the nervous system which you know creates people that are very like i know love is here i 
expect people to reach back out when I reach out to them. I know where I stand. I know they love me. I know I love them. I'm cool being with other people and I'm cool being alone. So, um, yeah, I guess just for people that don't know about attachment. When I think about it, like, and you're right about that, like, these are all the basic assumptions of how you see yourself and how you act in the world and how the world actually even is. So, like, I think about it too. It's like, uh, like, I think I can give myself a baseline is like, is the world a safe place for me? Right. Do I find, is there a place for me in it? And do I, do I find myself like feeling good about the environment I am, the world that I'm in? Right. I think that's like, you can just like, a, and I, I can gut shot that pretty quickly. And it's a little, mm-hmm. it's a little trepidatious, you know, like I deal with mm-hmm. like a lot of like, you know, ah, you know, fears. Right. Yeah. And so for our topic today, I think that I can test that I f- do feel some anxiousness. Yeah. I, I also definitely identify, um, maybe the other thing that I, that, um, I didn't think about was talking just briefly about the other. So so there's secure and insecure attachment. And then what falls under insecure attachment would be avoidant attachment, which is also known as dismissive avoidant. Um, And then trying to think, because there's usually a lot of different definitions. And then there's anxious, of course, which is also known as anxious preoccupied. And then there's disorganized, which is both. And this is anxious. I find the, all the verbiage, especially with, it gets like unwieldy pretty quickly, but it's like, it's on a spectrum. Like there's a polarity, like yeah, yeah. when I need to feel safe, I'm either out of here or when I need to feel safe, I'm like diving in, you know, or a little bit of both. (laughs) Right. So that's disorganized. Um, and then anxiousness is on one side. Um, anxious people need proximity to feel safe. Right. They prefer co-regulation. They feel safe when they're connected. When they know people are near, they feel better. Being mm. alone is harder for them. Self-regulating is harder. Self-soothing. Self-soothing is super hard. Um, and one of their biggest triggers is people moving away. They're hyper aware of potential abandonment right. um, of people uh, of rejecting them and then eventually leaving. And so there's usually like, even though love is there, they might not be able to let it in because they're always afraid of it leaving. Okay. So what type of environment, like, how does this come about? Like you got a new person in the world. Like what type of what type of relationships are they going to have with their primary persons? Usually your mother, but it doesn't have to be right. It's just like who is your yeah, primary person? I mean, who yeah, are the people I mean, in your life? Yeah, mom, dad, usually, or whoever's taking care of you. Right, and that's mostly just inconsistency and not ever really knowing when, uh, if someone leaves, when they're coming back, and that kind of inconsistency uh sets up a um always like kind of looking and searching for and waiting and it can kind of create an addictive cycle of just being like when is the next contact going to be or just being um or having instances of feeling like you've been abandoned Mm -hmm. where it's just too long you're crying out your needs aren't being met but then someone like 
someone comes eventually. It's not that they don't ever, right? but it's just those feelings of being left alone and kind of helpless. I know it, it can be pretty pernicious though, just because like in my life, I had people who were always physically there, right? They're always there, but there is some kind of gap that can't be, or just wasn't in a way that like left me feeling like, mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm taken care of. Like these people are here for me. They're worried about me. They can see me. They can feel me. Right. So like, mm -hmm. so that they're always there, but you know, it kind of gets, you know, like, you know, it's like, I'm there. I'm always like wanting more, but you know, as a really young kid, it's like, I don't, I didn't know how to, how to express that. Like, I don't know how to like raise my hand and be like, Hey, I, I you know, like yeah. I, if I have some needs that I'm not getting, well, what do you think? You know, you want to give me those things, you know, Yeah. but, it, but just that, like it, like in my life, there wasn't anything, there were no bombs that went off, right? There were no like instances of like hot, hot abuse, right? But mm -hmm. in the, I think in the final equation or like at the end of the day, uh, like that I entered into adulthood with some really big holes, right? Like really being desperate for love that I, like, I didn't, one way or another, I didn't get, you know? Yeah. And that can definitely happen from having people that are physically present, but they're not emotionally present or emotionally attuned. Right. And so there's like a part of you that really wants to connect and bond on a deeper level. And it's just like that it's not available. And so we need so much more than just like food and shelter and yeah having, you know, our butts wiped or whatever right. we're that age. It's like we we crave an emotional connection and someone to regulate our emotions. We can't as babies, as children, like we don't know how to emotionally regulate on our own. We actually need an adult to help yeah. calm and soothe us. Yeah. So it's not just three squares and a roof over your head does not make a good person. I mean that's not like that's not enough mana, right? right? Uh you know what? And we talked about it in the in previous podcasts, you know, like the way I, I don't know that I described like the emotional uh, dimension as a little bit like it's a little bit vague, right? You know, it's like, of course, I loved you. You know, like I worked so hard, you know, and I fed you and I did all these things and I took you to soccer practice and did all these things, you know, but there was mm -hmm. still something else like inside me, like, like really super craving something else right and then that is like that emotional attunement right so attunement like seeing and being aware and like reacting to and then and then i think uh some consistency in that over time you know mm -hmm. and also being able to repair too i know is a big deal is for, yeah. for children because nobody's gonna bat a thousand ever but it's just like that you can come right. back and be like oh hey hey i screwed up Let's, let's yeah let's fix this kind of stuff yeah but uh yeah yeah so, i care about how you feel i made a mistake i want to do better right this is what i'm gonna do which is an interesting idea but i think that like in my own personal life that idea of like having that conversation over those words or even just the notion is so it's like alien almost right because that's not what's happening in the house you know like we yeah. can talk about what's in the house, but that type of environment is not happening. You know? Right. So what do you, what, what would you say is the core wound then 
that leads to an anxious attachment style? I would definitely say it's some form of abandonment. So definitely abandonment of an emotional nature. Right. So here I am. I'm this child. Here's here. Feel and see my heart. Take joy in who I am. And then when that it, you, you leave lacking for that, you that's the feeling of abandonment, right? It's just like mm -hmm. you weren't there for me. You didn't feel me. You couldn't come here and to be with me in these things that I was feeling, you know, like, I think that's one of the things I felt as a kid all the time is like, I had a very much an inside world. There was tons happening inside of me. And really I was the only one there to experience them, you know, like nobody mm -hmm. like showed up to like, try to like drag out of me. Like what was actually, so no happening. one was like, Hey, how are you feeling today? What's right. going on? Or like, what are you into? Or like, what do you see? What are you noticing? Like what's, you know? Yeah. That's just, that's just not part of what happens. You know, it just mm -hmm. it ends up being like that, you know, like children are better, like seen and not heard, you know? Right. And, and like way back in the day, some of the most popular, um, Dr. Spock, I guess was a different doctor than the Star Trek guy. Like his advice to parents was just like, leave the baby, like, let the baby cry in the crib. Don't. Right. Like, don't allow the child to, to become a tyrant and, and take over and ruin your sleep and emotionally manipulate you. And so yeah. there's this, like, really interesting, like, distrust of the, the child or um, this, like, idea that children would, um, you know, terrorize their parents with their emotions if they were attuned to or something like that, which I think also caused a lot of emotional abandonment and a lot of um not super great things yeah it's an interesting thing too that i've thought a little bit about because you know i see there's a couple of kids in my life now now that i know who definitely seem like they do act out you know in some of these like middle ages i'll just say like between five and ten years old uh i'm imagining boys but they're like really acting crazy and i like yeah, it's it's funny because like the, one of the first emotions I have is to like, and this is pretty fucked up, but it's like you want to like spank them, you know, and it's just like, whoa, you know, where the fuck does that come from? You know, and it's like, oh, right. it's because that's the kind of shit that I got. Right. Like if I was acting crazy or, or wild, you know, that like you could really draw the ire of the parents or my parents, you know, and if yeah. I really went nuts, they would just, you know. There was never like hard physical beatings, but like, you know, dad gets out the belt, right? And it's just right. like, oh. But uh, I don't know. There, there's some like uh, interchange. <laughs> like, and, and I know that when I see these instances that we're on a very long timeline, it's like, how did these things actually develop? Where, mm -hmm. did, where did these behaviors actually come from? Probably from something like not being met or not being seen. And so, but it's hard to like parse that out exactly, especially in like discipline places. Like obviously the kid is, um, we'll just say, uh, unregulated, right? Mm -hmm. But you also see that like joy in children that like they just have so much energy, you know, and they're just like running wild, you know, and you don't necessarily want to like, you know, jam your foot down, <laughs> you know, you don't want to stomp that out. But when they're really uh, like over the line, you know, 
I just think about that inter- intersection for parents of how that probably is like extremely hard to like be yeah. you know, like show up and be show up and show discipline. But I can imagine if your if your parent has already like laid the boundaries of the love connection and the emotional connection, right? That that changes the dynamic then of a a disciplinary connection too, you know. Like I don't know. I know that they're connected together. I don't know exactly how it goes. Yeah. Um I know that often love and pain get intertwined and then there's these emotions of like punishment and shame that happen um when it comes to like disciplining a child but like uh discipline as we know it is often conflict or like we think of discipline as like punishment but real discipline comes um from really like um from a place of love and of accountability like i think there's that it's just interesting like how culturally we talk about disciplining children and that has to do with punishing something and so it's like assumed that the behavior is bad or or the reason behind what they're doing is wrong instead of being curious about why it's happening or like why the child is acting out so there's kind of like a basic distrust Mm -hmm. around children's emotions and this like authoritative dynamic with parents and children where it should be more of like a you know parents are always learning from kids and, right. and are here to like guide them but they don't necessarily own them or rule them and there's right. lots of archaic just really like fucked up dynamics from yeah but i like so that. many I like, different things I, I like what you said about distrusting children right because mm-hmm. I think children are incredibly sensitive and incredibly good, like reflectors of what energy are, what, it, what the energy right. is. You know? They're very honest and they right. will say and yeah. what they see and they. Right. And I can, ima- yeah. I absolutely can imagine a kid who's been put in situations where that isn't honored at all, you know, mm-hmm. and then you just, you know, you just have to do this because I say so. Right. And about right. how totally fucking infuriating that can be. Yeah. And it's just like yeah. that, that mismatch between like, you don't trust me. So why would I, you know, and then later on, like, why would you trust yourself? You know, that, like that, that gets kind of weird, you know? Yeah. And I've seen it where it's like, um, you know, I have many nieces and nephews and just seeing my siblings parent and, and my mom be a grandmother. And, um, it's interesting because there's this like, distrust of the the child being like well this child just wants their way they just want to have their way and it's like well of course like every human being wants what they want and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it and there's no shame in that but what we're learning and teaching is how to manage emotion how to cooperate how to share things like like um appropriate behaviors and like learning what's maybe not as generative or what's not appropriate but not coming at it with this like you know um like hammer you know just being like you're bad you're wrong how shameful of you to want this or you're manipulating us with your emotions and i think i really think the key word that you said is distrust right 
Yeah. Big time. And then it leads to, yeah, a big issue with self-trust. And then, of course, we could, yeah, there's yeah, like goes, many rabbit holes we could go down with okay, that so we one. We talked about the core wound is abandonment, okay? And so, mm -hmm. all right, so now we're corely wounded. We're anxious. Right. So, and then we talked about the next bullet is main challenges, uh, self-regulation. Right. So when we don't really have a regulated adult helping us to know what to do with our emotions, um, we're, we tend to be okay in the company of other people. But when it comes to being by ourselves, it's like, I have no idea how to manage any of these emotions. I don't know what to do with them. I only know how to latch on to someone else to feel better. Yeah. And so um, just those feelings of anxiousness um, can, can be overwhelming. And people yeah. don't always know what to do with those big feelings. For a long time in my life, um, my free time, I would always spend it with my friends, you know? Uh, that relieved me of like the pressure of just being with myself, right? Um, and even in tons of relationships, especially in intimate relationships, like it was so much easier because it was the way I was like predisposed. My awareness was always just outside of me. It's just always on you or it's on the other person. It's on my friend. It's just like outside of my own body and being. And that actually was comfortable, right? It was just like a way I could just hang out and I could just be and waste many, many years, you know, doing nothing, you know. Uh, but it was interesting when I started to sort of undo that um, about, <laughs> about the challenges of just being in my own space, in my own body over lengths of time, right? Because it's like I go through some pretty big ups and downs which can be extremely challenging where like in the past, if I wasn't attempting to like dive in and to actually feel these things, it would have been really easy for me to just like fill up my life with people and things. And, and I think that the, you know, I would have definitely been in bounds within this, the mean deviation. Like everything's fine. I'm a normal person. I'm a normal person, whatever. Not that I'm not normal, but that it's, it's it's sort of subtle or it's sort of sly how it actually the expression of it is actually happening you know yes okay so next bullet point so what does it feel like in a relationship you're anxiously attached what's what are some of the feelings that you're going to be getting yeah oh i mean there's there's lots of ways it can show up in relationships um early on in dating or even in the middle of a relationship, it can be kind of always waiting for the shoe to drop, like the other person to leave and like never come back. Like, oh, they're going to leave me. Um, when you don't get the kind of connection you're seeking, it can actually engender feelings of rage, a, a, like a sense of entitlement. Like, you should be paying attention to me. Why aren't you paying attention to me? Why didn't you answer me back? Um, there can be panic when you don't hear from that person. And then you oh, can yeah. have racing thoughts and think they're dead. They hate me. They just found out something about me, something bad. Or oh, they, they know who I am now and they're right. going to reject me. Um, 
and it's just really being hyper vigilant, like looking out for, I mean, there could be betrayal wounds that are wrapped up in this too. So jealousy, if they're spending too much time with friends or too much time at work, um, fearing that they're going to cheat on you, um, being jealous and possessive and, um, even emotionally manipulative to, to get more time and attention or, or using different tactics to make sure you get the, the love and attention that you need. Maybe you get sick more or you hurt yourself. So they come and take care of you. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things. Um, so one of the things you mentioned that, uh, I know it's happened to me many times, which is, uh, a number there just won't be any communication so there's always this subtle or not so solo marco polo happening all the time right so if you have a certain pattern of communicating and then let's just she got busy right mm-hmm. and i know I, I knew in my head that like people do get busy and maybe for a few hours they won't but i could just feel in my own body this like ramping up of like you know and how yeah. my thoughts would go and just seeing my thoughts. And I'm like, this first happened yes. probably like 20 years ago, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know? And so like, I'm like reaching out to my girlfriend's mom, like, Hey, have you heard from her? You know, now I know past some point that's probably like warranted, you know, but in my head, it's like, she's obviously dead, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. Well, last time it happened was a couple of years ago. And I'm like, I really, I really hung with it all day long. It was an all day thing. Mm. And then, uh, like, I finally broke down. It was like six o'clock or something, and it was like, and I just like, you know, like, hey, what's up? You know, and the response back is like, oh no, just busy. Sorry, I haven't said anything to you today. I've just like been super swamped, and like, I can just feel my people like, oh, just like, oh, thank God, she's yeah. alive. She's not dead. Or just that, like, she doesn't hate my guts, you know? Right. It's so interesting because, yeah, that's that's a really good um, thing to note. It's like being hyper aware of like the passage of time in between, like last contact or, I mean, uh, gosh, before I knew I had any anxious attachment, um, there was someone that I dated and I literally like had a calendar and I would like plot out, seriously, <laughs> seriously, I did. I plotted out like the times, like I, I felt like I was studying his behavioral patterns, like in the bushes being like, okay, he contacted me at this time. And then I didn't hear from him and then he contacted, you know what I mean? And so I was super like trying to figure out like what the, the pattern was, or if there was like a rhyme or reason to when he would contact. And that's how like, it can get like right. super obsessive. Um, like your nervous system is very reliant on knowing the whereabouts and the proximity of your attachment figure. So whether that's someone that you just chatted with a few times on, um, I don't know, like Tinder or match.com or it's someone you went out on one date with, like your nervous system can be like, Hey, that's, that's our person now. Like this, you know, this person's significant and I need to know where they are at all are at all times because this is how I regulate through them. I'm okay if they're okay, but if they're not okay or around, I'm not okay. One of the things I noticed last time that 
I endeavored on a relationship was that I, I just, whatever I noticed, uh, well, right away, like, you know, oh, I like this person. Right. So like that box is already checked, you know? And then like, I just knew like, uh, you know, like, uh, I definitely didn't want to like talk about politics, you know, I was just like, oh, you know, like, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And it's like, uh, instead of, it's very easy to see and say now, but it's like, instead of just like, Hey, this is who I am. And like, you know, yeah, whatever you want to talk about, I'm fine being me. Like there was a bunch of things and I knew there was a few baskets. So I would just be like, mm-hmm. if we could just never talk about those things ever. Right. I mean, that would oh, just be, yeah. it would be so good. So this falls under boundaries for me. So it's like, it's like, okay. Right. It's like, here's the thing. Here's the most important thing. And, and in a way I actually express this. It's like, first and foremost, I need your love and attention. Okay. And so everything below that, and that that's everything in life is less important. And so those can all be fudged. Like the, we can, we can, all those can be sort of like moved mm, around death yeah, chairs yeah, yeah, on the yeah, fucking yeah. Titanic. You know, it's like, yeah, the number one most important thing is that like, I need to get some goddamn love and I will negotiate anything else, you know? Right. And Which, I like that you, yeah, I like that you're bringing that up. Cause that's a big one too. It's right. like, but, like sometimes I, I feel like for a long, long time in my life that happened at a more subtle level. You know, I've done a lot of uh, work feeling and being present with myself. And so to watch it like happen with like a front row seat was like, there's also a lot of shame in that too. It's like, oh my fucking God, like I, I suck so bad, you know, it's like, I'm so fucking desperate, you know, oh God, it's just like, oh, gross. It's like gag worthy. But it's yeah. there, you know, I couldn't say that it wasn't there because it absolutely is there. And it's not just there. It's like, it's like beaming like a fucking like you know, spotlight, you know, out of the sky. You know, it's like it's a hot 10,000 candle watt fire. this like laser beam of like, this is what's most important. And, and none, of, none of the things in my brain, if I would have just I'm just not just going to sit there and decide like, you know, oh, hey, I, I've I read this book and I, I know that this is, uh, you know, not the way you want to do it. And I'm just going to like, that's not how it was at all. Like it was, it was right. clear and present. And it was like, I felt very much behind the eight ball after I was like, oh shit. Oh shit. And it's, it's like kind of awful to have that thing that you're so hyper aware of, so keenly aware of, like, it's, it's like the biggest thing in your world that like, I think a part of us like knows like this probably isn't the best that this one person matters so much and that everything else is negotiable like i will twist myself into a million pretzels oh, i will it. do all the things just tell me what i need to do yeah. in order to like get this love yeah. um and it's like uh, it's inconvenient actually to have something another human being be that important that it like it's like oh, the yeah. sun and then everything else rotates around yeah. that in your life everything so it's yeah. like it's completely um, unwieldy <laughs> yeah and and like um anxious attachment is also called love addiction and uh, and now we know that some uh, behavioral psychologists would disagree <laughs> but but i think that 
most psychologists or many people define it that way as love addiction because there is an addictive quality to it where it's like this is what i need like i need love and it's outside of myself and now i will literally like beg cheat steal do what lie whatever uh, like yeah. like hide version part like pieces the shadows like things i'm not proud of yeah. present my best anything self anything about like, me out the window yeah like uh sure i like this too like yeah, uh, you, yeah. you love this me too you love that yeah. me too oh, and it's yeah. like oh, it's so where, great. <laughs> yeah like where where do i end and where do they begin it doesn't matter because i'm all the way up their asshole like yeah. i am loving it like wow this is you know being like enmeshed and being super together and having no space to breathe is it feels i think pretty great like a pig and swap for the anxiously attached because then you have another nervous system and you don't have to worry about figuring any of this out which uh is is very normal there's lots and lots yeah. and lots of people that have so anxious attachments I'm going to skip around a little bit, but I think it fits here. So when I think about, and it definitely worked in this, this particular relationship where I'm remembering, having some uh, fond memories here, you know. but there is an, there's an energy to that too. Now, I think that there are some people, and I don't know exactly how this works. Some people will sense that anxiousness in you. And then it's just yeah. like, they'll bring you right in, right? Because they know exactly there's a certain relationship with certain kinds of people where that anxiousness is going to fit right in, you know? Right. There's also certain people, and I know that this is a strange thing, but this is like an, an energetic polarity thing. I think that I normally lead with anxiousness. That's how, how, that's how relationships begin. Mm -hmm. I have... I was dated, dated is like pretty loose, talked to women, right? Who were, say, mm -hmm. as close to anxious as I think that I am, right? Which is uh, mm -hmm. somewhere up the scale, you know? And that, to me, was pretty off-putting. Mm, it was just yeah. like, it was <laughs> like, oh, I was like, uh-uh, uh, -uh, uh, -uh. Right. So I think that the, the person that I was talking about, too, it's like, you got to think about that. Like, somebody comes to you. And it's just like, I'll do absolutely anything, you know, unspoken, of course, but I'll do absolutely anything to be close to you. You're just like, whoa, it's a, it's a weird energetic, uh, it's like too uh, much leaning in. They're way over the skis, like, and it's just like, yeah, to me, I've just felt like, uh, uh it's just like felt sticky and kind of like, felt kind of gross, you know? So... I think there is naturally a, an aspect of like animal instinct, like human animal, even yeah. where we have energetic boundaries and understanding of how much like resources we have to yeah. like take care of ourselves, like not get eaten by tigers, like right. survive out in the wild and any kind of person coming at us, that's like, let me attach to you. It's like, if a person comes across as that like weak, weak, or helpless or not able to like have their own boundaries, own energy. Like right. I think that will send up red flags to almost anyone. Yeah. Um, so I think part of that is actually very normal, but I also think when it comes to the disorganized types, 
there's definitely something about an anxiously attached person that causes the avoidant energy to be like, you need to get away because yeah. you're, you're surpassing boundaries really fast. You're grabbing on and I right. feel claustrophobic and scared yeah. and this is too much and I can't trust you because right. you don't know who you are. You just think I'm so wonderful and so great right. and like you're ready to just jump into a relationship like there you can tell that there's something where it's not necessarily you it's yeah. like the you know yeah. it's like this isn't about me like this yeah. is about you like yeah. finding your next source and they're like yeah of a starving vampire and they just yeah. need a host right and so it's wash and wipe your windows yes yeah. <laughs> so, so next Next bullet point is uh, one of the things is like, what makes the anxiousness worse? <laughs> and this gets into like a slightly different topic, but I think it, I think it is. So, mm -hmm. so it's about what's on the line, right? Because I have been in some, like, I don't know, maybe this makes me shallow and a bad person. Okay. Let me, let me preface that. Okay. Okay. I won't say anything. Right when... <laughs> <laughs> the people that I've dated who are physically more attractive, I felt that mm -hmm. there was more on the line. Yeah. And so That's my, okay. Okay. So obviously I'm it's, it's common. It's super common. Like it's I'm like super bad as we should say. And I get it. Okay. That's you're fine. an awful person for being Thank attracted you. to people. I, so that's disgusting. That. Just Thank so you. you. Know. Thank you. That's Shouldn't. what I needed right now. actually. So anyway, and then when that did happen, I've, I've been in, some relationship with very attractive people and my shit, my anxious shit just goes to the fucking moon. Well, so it's interesting because like attraction is, is like subjective, right? So there's like, sure. uh, there's all kinds of layering at facial expressions and like pheromones and things that are going sure. on under the surface. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. certain types of people that probably have the same energetic mixes, like as our parents, like the good, the bad, yeah. the ugly, whatever. Yeah. There's like some right. kind of cocktail there and we're like, ooh, like this person's really shiny and they're really uh -huh. so good. And I want to curl up in their armpit and just build a little hut there, uh, run around naked. Um, yeah. So yeah. there's, there's something like that. It's like when when that type of person, that attraction's there, it's like there's suddenly the like risk goes way up for like not getting that attachment, like losing that attachment. Right. So it's like the stakes go go way up because it's like, oh my God, this person, like they're super hot, they're super cool. We get along super well. They super matter. And I will never, ever find anyone yeah. like this person ever again. And suddenly it's like being thrust back into childhood where it's like these, this is the only option that there is. And like losing this would mean losing And it's the everything. option I want. And it's the option it, I want. Right. It's yeah. what you want because then there's some level of if I can master this attachment or attraction then I can heal all the, like everything that came before. I finally get the love yeah. I oh, want finally. and need. Life will finally work out for me. Yeah. Life will finally be good. Dude. I will get to live the fairy tale. I see all these fucking Disney characters live. It'll be me. Right. I'll be in that castle. Okay. So uh, 
anxious attachment, love addiction, okay? All right, here's a story about love addiction. I met this girl once, and we were dating, and I thought things were going good. And in my mind, I had this thought. I was just like, I'm like, I've just stumbled across. I've, like, discovered a mountain of cocaine, and I'm going to get to do it all. <laughs> and then it was, like, a fucking screeching, like, plane, like, down. In the, it was, like, real bad. But that's, like, I, I remember being in this bathroom at this bar, and I was just like, oh, this is so fucking amazing, you know? I'm just going to, like, get to do all, like. She didn't know yeah. it was love. You didn't know it was love addiction. You were just like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm in love or I'm excited. I'm I mean, love. yeah, but I, I, that's just, like, I don't know. I was just so, ex yeah, I was so excited. And like, I just imagined. This could be great. She could be cocaine. the one. And, like, I didn't even really do that much cocaine, but it was just like. Hey, did you really just, imagine a mountain of cocaine? Yes, I really did. I was like, I was just like. That's just like came into my head. It was just like, it was like this thing that I've stumbled into is so amazing, but it's just, I don't know, it was just a drug reference. I don't know. I, I'm actually like kind of surprised that you like made that correlation because you didn't know what love addiction was. No, right? no. And I like, I like, I have felt like in my life, I've never had a, like, I've experimented drugs. I've done this and that, but like, I've never did anything a lot. Right. Like I did this here and this there, but I didn't ever drink every day or do drugs every day or do anything like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I always, <laughs> whatever, you know, pat myself on the back. I was like, I'm not really the addictive type. You know, that's just not my type. You know, like sure. it's just my makeup, you know, like I can try these things and yeah, I'm like I can do drugs and it's not a big deal. Yeah. Not everyone is going to be addicted to substances, but right. I think everyone has addictions. Oh, for sure. Because I, I definitely have not felt good for a long time and used things and food and people and all those things to get me the feelings that I needed. Right? Yeah. All right. So then we talked about the energetics of attachment. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Was there more to the story? Was there more to the story with like you met somebody? And well, we were, I think we were always, okay, this is, so with this particular person, there was pretty big gap between when we started hanging out to when we started sleeping with each other. Okay. And like, I didn't know like if that was going to be part of our deal or not, you know, of course I wanted to, she was, and she was, she was really attractive. She was mm -hmm. really attractive. Like she, she checked all the boxes for me. You know? mm -hmm. And that's like one of the, it was just like, Oh my God. You know, it was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was just that kind of feeling. <laughs> It, and like, uh, uh, that's the way I just imagined cocaine was, but then, you know, um, we did not get along. We did mm. not get along. And I think that like really deep down, she didn't like me. I actually knew that. And so, and it was actually really hard for me to leave because I was so just like, you know, I was so verklempt about like. You know, the way that so it looked, like, or the way I wanted it to be, you know. So much attraction there and and satisfaction on some level. Some level. Where but on, on, you're like, it looks, it looks like everything I want. Yeah. Oh, and absolutely. And yet underneath all that, she it was it was you. Yeah, it was real, like abusive even. Like it was real uh, bad. Like we, we as a team were getting together and like, 
bringing in many, many really bad moments, like real bad. And it was just like, oh, God, this is so terrible. Like, oh, I'm coming back for more. It makes me wonder, like, what was she getting out of it, you know? She had, I, I feel if like she, she hated you, you know what I mean? I'm like, I she, I really feel like that she had really isolated herself uh, by just like burning through relationships like her in her life and through people. And she, so it was just like, she had so much kind of like lava in her that got projected out so hard that people mm. just couldn't stay around. And I couldn't after a while too. And I was, I was, you know, I was that laser focused, like, I need this super bad, addicted to love, okay? And she, yeah. and it took about like a year and a half, but that was eventually eviscerated. But so I went into like a meat grinder, like into a middle of a volcano, <laughs> laser like focus on getting my needs met. And it was just completely destroyed, you know, like, <laughs> and it took a long time. And then, God, when I left too, and I was just like, like how much I thought about her and like, you know, oh, like drove past her house a couple of times. I was like, oh God, this is so terrible. <laughs> and I didn't hang out with her for like three years. I didn't hang out with her for like three, it was like three or four years. And she moved out of the country and then she came back and she like hit me up. And uh, my brain had did a great job, great job of like whitewashing things, you know, oh, just no. like getting oh. rid of it. And she's right. like, hey, you want to hang out? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Sure. Dude, it took like an hour. It took like an hour. And we were just like having a conversation. And God bless her. God bless her. But like, you know, like the mask finally comes off and you get a C. And it was like, oh, fuck, there you are. I remember you. And it was just like my whole being turns. Right? And it's just like. Holy shit. Holy shit. I've got to go. God bless. Like, but I'm fucking out of here. Cause like, I remember and I, re I can feel how much it hurt me and like how much, you know, how I, I, you know, I did show up in, in, a, in as honest and like open ways I could. And I was hurt repeatedly over and over. I was like, no, I've got to protect myself from, from that shit. God bless. Good luck with that. I really hope that you can figure that shit out. Yeah, I can't be your pinata over here, huh? No. I mean, I could. I don't... But I'm not going to. <laughs> Good, yes. So, energetics. You're anxious. I'm anxious. Gross. We talked about that. There can only be one. We talked about that. Okay. Mm. Coping strategies. Yeah, we talked about this just a little bit, but... Yeah, yeah so like, self-abandonment is a great strategy to... Well, it, it, so on the so surface, many... it appears... Here's to be a great strategy to getting so, the love you want. Okay, but the term self-abandonment, right? I think this mm -hmm. it's actually a pretty deep, feels, I think it's pretty deep, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, I think that, you know, hi, I, hi, I'm just meet you, I'm Nick. I'll do anything, right? Like, I'm, right. I'm, working, I'm working on my primary problem, which is like, I need love. And I need you to give it to me, right? How right. is that abandoning me? Like I'm doing the exact thing that I think that I need to do, which is to get love. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's yeah, the abandonment in that? It's a huge it's a huge thing, right? Because 
number one, it's, it's based on the assumption that in getting something externally, it fills us. If I get this, then I'll have certain feelings that okay. I want. I've been in here this whole time. Whatever I need is not in here. Okay, I'll tell you that. I've right. Been here the whole so, time. so there's already like some self-abandonment things happening. And then it goes like it goes further where it's how I'm feeling doesn't necessarily matter, at least to a degree. Mm, yeah. Like yeah, truly yeah. feeling like what my real emotions are, because it's all revolving and rotating around what I need to do, what how I need to fix myself, change myself, maybe betray myself in order to get this person to love me and stay. Oh, God. So there is. I the, feel like that can be really tricky, right? Yeah, because, because you don't always see it like caretaking other people can actually like feel kind of good or it could be like, oh, I'm just being nice. Yeah, I'm being or altruistic. I like to take care of people. It's, it fulfills me to take care of people. Right. And, and so it's like you have to be aware of the underlying motives of like, why am I doing this? Am I doing it so that they like me? Am I omitting the truth about me? Am I downplaying emotions that I have? Am I hiding certain emotions right. to present this version of myself yeah. so that I can get love? And do you have, yeah. So if any of that means I'm not fully accepting, honoring, giving love to myself first and foremost having a like a backbone and supporting myself then it is a flavor of self-abandonment it, it means i give up what's true here in order to get something out there i think the having a backbone and truly like dude that feels like complete non sequitur like i have n maybe no idea what that means or how to even contextualize that how to even begin to know what that actually feels like, you know, that feels just like a million miles away, you know? So like, you know, I don't know, this brings me back to what I've talked about before, like of the dimensionality of emotions, right? Mm -hmm. That it's super important how it actually plays a role in all of these things we've talked about, but how we can be utterly divorced from it. Right. Yeah. Like that are, the walls i was talking to somebody today and she was i was explaining some kind of emotional thing and she was she's like oh yeah no that's i call that building walls and so like yeah. and I, I was like oh yeah that's yeah that makes a lot of sense there are these walls inside of us that are invisible or maybe that they're visible but we have no idea what's behind them you know mm -hmm. and about how what's behind them is so important and how that actually works to us you know yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because if growing up, if a condition of you getting love meant that you had to like suppress, repress your emotional self, if that was a condition, then you literally can have no backbone or no, like you did not learn any um, version of self-honoring or self-support because when those emotions rise up or even like the anger of not being validated, not being listened to, not having your needs met, it's like when that anger rises up 
and you get smacked down. If you get back up again, then you're shamed and punished and rejected and abandoned again. And you get back up and then it happens again. You get back up and it happens again. And it's like, if I am going to be loved and get loved, I can't have any of these emotions. I have to be one flavor and, and that's vanilla or nice. one. I'm just nice. I'm just here. I'm nice. I'm helpful. I'm pleasant. I'm, I'm handy. you know, yeah. very yeah, helpful. I'm, but, but what I'm not is uh, I'm not needy. I'm not emotional. I don't feel anger. I don't, um, you know, I, I don't have complicated emotions. I'm not sad. I'm not anything because if I'm any of those things, then I'm not worthy of love. And so any kind of emotion Garbage. rising up can be an immediate trigger. Like the emotion itself becomes a trigger. And then there's right. a shame spiral that's happening. And it's like your entire orientation to self and being is completely enveloped with shame. And it's just toxic shame. Yeah. And shame is one of the lowest vibrational energies that we can actually inhabit and still be a living thing because it's so diametrically opposed from who we really are, which is connection and love and abundance and acceptance. Right. And, and belongings. It's fucked up. Yeah. And it happens to a lot of people where they grow up in homes and they're emotionally abused, but they don't realize that they're emotionally abused. Um, and, and abuse can be a tricky word because mm, I have a very broad definition for abuse, but, uh, the thing is, is like you can abuse someone without ever intending to abuse. Like yeah. abuse can be passed on unintentionally. Um, I I define abuse as really just treating someone other than like seeing someone and treating someone other than like with the utmost respect and love and connection that they actually deserve. So um, actually, I don't know if that's like the best way to define it, but in well, some ways it's like not seeing someone and like the truth of who they are and treating them with like kindness. So it's, it, which is a super broad definition. But I think down the river of, uh, of our family's lineage, right? It's like, these people had no idea what they were doing. You know, yes. they come to me with these giant deficits. Right. And so it's just like, is ignorance like an excuse because it's like the ignorance or just not knowing, never being loved or shown. So they don't even know that that part of the universe even exists, right? Right. Which then doesn't get given to me. And so it's like this, you know, it's this heritage that just gets passed on over and over and over. And so that's where, that's where I think the word abuse gets a little tricky because I think that it's, yeah. it's more, it's more nuanced that. It's unconscious. The, are, yeah, it's unintentional. Are, yeah. Are there shortcomings? Like, are there gaps? Are there big parts of my heart that like desperately needed something that didn't get them? Yes, right? And is that done in, with like malice? No, right? Is that done in consciousness? No. So that's right. where, and I, whenever I think about the word abuse, right? Well, like this person abused me. I think of consciousness, I think of malice, I think of all those things, right? Not mm -hmm. the unconscious, not, 
not the way that it came through the dimension of time to me. So that's where I think it gets tricky for me, you know? Yeah, I remember, um, I don't know, it's maybe a year or more ago, but I remember reading this um, Instagram post and it said something like, abuse is a choice. Like it's always a choice. If someone's abusing you, it's a choice. And I very much disagreed with that. And I, I laid it out. I was like, here's why. Like, I believe that abuse is not necessarily a conscious choice, but it's a choice by default. So if we're not consciously aware of what, like the difference between love and abuse, we will literally just let modeling and old programming and old behavior take over. So if someone was, if someone was raised in a home where they, they would just like grab them by the clothes or the neck, push them and shove them and say mean things to them. When that person's in a relationship, their definition of love and, and abuse and wounding, it's like all mixed together. And so when they're in a relationship where they have children, they're going to do the same things. They're going to get angry. They're going to push. They're going to get angry. They're going to name call. And it's like, are they even aware? Maybe on some level, a part of them knows this isn't the best. But when they're not in their conscious brain and the prefrontal cortex, they are literally just instinctively unconsciously, they might as well be sleepwalking to some degree if they're just in this other part of their brain where they're not conscious, then it's like, no, they absolutely have no free will. And it's like an interesting thing to, to really think about because if we think about people consciously abusing, and I, I believe that people do yeah, consciously abuse people, other yeah. people, yeah. right? So that's the thing. And even on some level, I'm still like, if they were fully entirely aware of the big picture, they might choose something different. So I believe there's always many layers of ignorance and disconnection, sure, things. but, sure, but sure. maybe that's just a part of me that my energy is like Pollyanna. I believe in all good things or whatever. I don't know. But, um, I just believe that people, it's an interesting implication to say this person chose to abuse me like they knew what it would do to me they they really wanted to they um like consciously did all these things to like fuck my life over and fuck me over and like yes maybe in some cases in most cases i really don't believe so and 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 i know because i've spoken to people i've i've had many clients who have been in abusive situations i've had clients who have been admittedly abusers in certain situations and they will say like i you know, I beat this person and I felt so much shame. And I was like watching myself do it, unable to stop it. And the amount of shame around it was like, I mean, they just couldn't believe it. And even, and they went to jail and everything, you know, and it's just like knowing what they're doing is wrong. It's like having awareness is one thing but the embodiment of it's difference. You can know something's wrong and you can have this take over too. So it's like, this stuff gets very complicated. All right, so to wrap this up, I don't know, I think we should point a little bit in, okay, so we talked a lot about some of the dynamics of attachment, you know, definitions of attachment, how it shows up. Um, I don't know, I, I would like to leave it on what? Oh, no, I, I want to hear what you're going to say. But I just like had a couple things that I was like, Oh, yeah, maybe we should talk about. Well, I want to leave it on like, in the heart of something. It's like, okay, 
So I know that I have some anxious uh, patterns. So I'm, I, I exhibit definitely some anxious attachment, attachment or anxiously attached mm-hmm. person. Okay. And I want just like a couple of like ideas to like strive towards. So like one of the ones is like for that laser focus of that love, that most important thing out there that I know that I have to get it in here. Okay. Great. Mm-hmm. That seems just like, Great. That's like, you know, blood from a fucking stone. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But that's one direction to be like, okay, at least I can recognize that. It's not that I I can't get that thing out there. It's got to come from in here. What are some other things sort of like that? Do you mean like tips, sort of? Yeah, just like directionalities. Like, I know it's got to be like, we're not going to like, you know, we're not going to, you know, crack the code or anything. But like, you know, just like, I just think about like energetic directionalities. Directions to think, you know, it's like when you find yourself yeah. going in one direction, it's like, wait a minute, how do I, how do I want to try to orient myself so I can start to feel in the right direction, you know? Yeah. Um, something, I want to come back to that and just, there was another couple things that I wanted to talk about sure. and like, co- like coping, coping strategies and like shame kind of thing. Um, so something that like i did not know that i had anxious attachment uh until like 2015 ish and it was because i think i was largely like counter dependent so disorganized attachment fearful avoidant which means like there was an element of fear in my attachment because i definitely had one parent that was very scary to me as a child it was more like a rageaholic and counter dependent is what counter dependent i would say is like a strategy that is built over another strategy (laughs) so the way i would explain it is we can have disorganized attachment where we're avoidant or anxious so you have both so let's say depending on the situation right depending on the situation so let's say in this situation where i'm showing up as anxious And I'm like needy and, you know, like this person knows that I'm anxious and I do all the things to try to get attention and it doesn't work. Okay. So instead I'm like, aha, I will pretend that I don't need you and that I don't care. But all this anxiousness is still here, but you will never fucking know and I will die on this hill and like, I'm going to be super cool. Like, don't worry about it. Like, I know it's not... Yeah, I don't care. Like, I know it's not cool to be anxious, and I'm not anxious. Like, I'm right. fine. I'm good. Like, I, yeah. I'm I'm gonna even go do things and like play games because this is how much I don't care. Like, even though I'm counting all the minutes, I'm gonna like stretch it longer and pretend that I'm super busy and I have things to do, and I just I'm not so this, paying attention. So this right? is your this is your strategy, right? I think. Or that's how it showed. Yeah, uh, I I think it showed up as something like this, some version. Okay. But of but this. I get that that could be tricky because like if you kind of did that all the time but underneath you weren't like noticing that you are still anxious you know i could it could be tricky if that was like your go-to well what it, it was super tricky because clearly i had i had um i was healing through all of the stuff like i i got like the the lottery the grand prize um of all the things and so well, you think you're more injured than me <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i mean uh, Sorry, keep going. Okay. Of boy. I, well, actually, I don't know. Uh, you, you did mention. That was a joke. All right, here we go. 
Well, Sorry. you mentioned a belt in discipline, and that makes me think that, you know, maybe you would qualify as fearful avoidant as well. So um, anyway, like, I, you know, I was married for eight years, so I was like married and definitely had some anxious things showing up, but it was never like a problem and we were fairly enmeshed though. So it was like a really codependent relationship. And I just like had no awareness at all around emotions. The next person I dated after my divorce um, was very anxious and I was like, okay with it. it like he wasn't, it was kind of annoying, and, but endearing in other ways. So it, it was okay. Um, and it wasn't, and, and interestingly enough, I, there was something about like the physical attraction aspect where I, I was like, this isn't as important to me. The physical attraction is like okay. maybe lower on the list. Sure. And anyway, this is like a whole other huge story. But after I moved to New York and after I had completed these two relationships, I realized that I was, sometimes I would date people that I sort of maybe wasn't fully attracted to, or even in some cases, like they were super nice and I wanted to like them, but then I felt sorry for them in certain ways. And then I was like, this is a really interesting energy and, and like, there's, I think, a long explanation for it, um, if I can't explain it. But I made a promise to myself that I would only date people that I was actually attracted to, like physically attracted to on some level. And when I did that, it changed like how I viewed relationships, my own understanding of my own nervous system, like everything. I started experiencing massive anxiety. And I think this had to do with like the fearful part Part of that was coming out and part of it was also anxious because um, I think just like based on the stuff there with my dad that I hadn't been able to explore yet, it was like being um, brave enough in a way or, or I don't even know how to explain it, kind of developing in a way that I was able to start facing like these fears in relationship. And then there was a lot of anxiousness that mm. came out. And I was most surprised when I got into my next long-term relationship and I had so much rage, so much rage. And I was like, this person's fucking with me. He's fucking with me. Maybe he was, I don't know. I don't think he was. But, um, you know, I think he was more avoidant in the relationship, but I was literally like doing a lot of work to not let that spill over into the relationship. But something that I noticed when that came up is my coping strategies changed because suddenly I was very aware of all these emotions. And I had this sense of like, I needed to figure out how to do relationships to like keep the love that I wanted. And so I found myself just like, like this is how I became a relationship coach because literally I bought like every single clickbait, like clickbank, clickbait thing that there was on relationship strategy, like how to get him, how to keep him, like all the things. Like I was so desperate because I felt like I was running out of time on like how to figure this thing out. Right. And so I've studied like, I mean, if I were to give you my list, like thousands and thousands and probably thousands of just 
different dating coaches and different schools of thoughts. And then there, you know, and, and just like cream rises to the surface. There, there are people that the, their teachings like seem to make so much more sense and like actually be um, more balanced. And, and it was never about like the strategy and all those things. And I had, I had plenty, plenty of shame over like, maybe the people that saw my bank statements or credit card statements, like seeing all like the, the, the um, click bank, yeah, you know, things, whatever, shit all doing. the self-help stuff. I was like, Oh my God, you know, but that was my thing. Um, and the good thing about anxious attachment is it barks so loud and actually makes you dive into the pain because it's unavoidable. Yeah. It's so painful. It feels like free Searing falling. laser like light. Death. It's awful. It's, yeah. it's literally like the worst thing in the world. It's just like feeling like you're going to die, feeling like you can't breathe with this, without this other person. Like you can't focus on anything else. If the relationship's in any kind of jeopardy, then like your nervous system is completely dysregulated and there's no way, like you just don't know how to regulate it. So, um, my way into being a relationship coach was really actually being able to feel my anxious attachment, which I hadn't for almost like three decades, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, it was kind of crazy to be like, holy shit, all this is here. And I wasn't really feeling it before for a number of reasons. Number one, I wouldn't let myself into a relationship that was that much of a challenge before. Would have never allowed it for so many reasons. Another one, I was very emotionally numb, so I wouldn't have noticed. And then um, perhaps the counter-dependent strategies that were there, and also just entering into relationships that um, were safer, familiar, more familiar on right. some level. So again, like the risk was lower, yeah. the challenge was lower, um, and probably you know more things. But um, the reason why I want to bring that up is just I have a feeling that the anxious people of the world <laughs> will really relate to that and also relate to the shame that comes with anxious attachment because it can really feel like it's out of control. It can feel like it, to me, it does feel like an addiction. It feels like I can't stop and whatever coping strategy you come up with, whether it's continual self-abandoned caretaking and fawning over people and just doing whatever you can to get love, you know, and I think that can show up in a lot of extreme ways, um, going back to bad relationships, like allowing people to disrespect you, you oh. know, just like, like knowing people aren't good for you and not being able to stay away. I just think there's so many levels and layers of that shame. And I just, I really want people to know, like I've been there and I empathize and I just, I want them to know that they're not alone. Um, and I want them mm. to know how fucking hard it is, but I also yeah. want them to know it's a beautiful thing and it's a huge, it's, it is the, the biggest blessing that is, is like a giant curse. You know, when you first look at it or get into it, it just feels like a giant curse, but it's yeah. also a huge blessing because it will enable you like it, that energy can really drive you into healing and being like a really fucking incredible relationship partner just like such a gift um and there's just and 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 getting into like you know some of the tips like what we're really here to do is to learn to attach to ourselves 
to validate ourselves, to feel our own feelings, to, to learn how to actually witness our feelings so that we're not in our feelings, we're with our feelings, right? Because if we're in our feelings and we're completely alone and we're whatever age that emotion is or that personality is, but if we're able to split ourselves and actually witness it and say, okay, these emotions are happening inside of me, I'm going to hold them. And of course, this is a whole other like crash course and just like how to feel your emotions, how to start, um, you know, feeling them all the way to the bottom. And that's part of it, but also just like what you would do with a child. You wouldn't just say, okay, now we're just going to cry on the floor and this is all we're going to do. It will be like inviting that child to shift as well, showing them new possibilities, showing them what else is there in life. And so it's not just attaching to yourself, but it's attaching to your purpose, whatever that is. And so it's finding things that excite you in the world and being in your own energy. And when you find yourself obsessing, continuing to bring that energy back to yourself again and again, it's definitely a practice because your mind is going to wander to that attachment figure or that ex-partner or whoever that is. And you have to be like, no, <laughs> I need to have some discipline, some self-love and accountability here and find out what I'm really needing in this moment. It's definitely not this external love. Like I'm needing something inside of me and how do I provide myself with that joy and how do I really feel it and let it in? So um, those are some of the tips. And then I have more tips when it comes to dating and there's stuff on my Instagram page. I feel like we could do a whole other podcast just on this alone. So yeah, no. I, I feel you. I I like what you just said, you know. Uh, I think in the last week, I got wrapped up in some emotions that then triggered shame that just, like, it really spiraled really, really hard, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I lost, like, a, I don't know, I feel like a lot of perspective in, like, the last week, you know. Mm -hmm. And, uh. I don't know, attaching to like a purpose, like it feels like so dumb and just like not real, like at the, sometimes in the bottom, you know, uh, just cause mm -hmm. you can get so like, like you said, splitting, yeah. like splitting like that, like that, that in and of itself, I think can be really hard because when a big wave of emotion comes or like mm -hmm. this, it's like, it is yeah. a storm, right? It's a tsunami. Yeah. And it's like, thinking in an abstraction or trying to like do something different outside of that feels like next to fucking impossible. Which is, is the right place to start. It's like the right way in is to know that there's an ocean, but learning that you're not just the ocean, you're the shore too. So the ocean isn't alone. It has a container. Yeah. So you are both the witnesser and the emotional self. But yeah, I also liked what you said about, you know, <laughs> describing some of these things so that people don't feel so uh, alone in it, like it, that there's plenty of people out there who go through some of these things. Yeah, Cause I it's know that, brutal. Yeah, well, uh, you know, that we can just feel that, like, you know, I'm crazy. That's just it. I'm just crazy, and life is yeah. fucked up, and, you know. I'm just a crazy know. stalker. I'm just totally obsessed. Yeah, or, just... or, or you know just not feeling any kind of control and being able to like un 
tether yourself from the fucking wheel of like going back or thinking about that person again or like knowing something's mm-hmm. bad and like having no control like that kind of shit mm-hmm. is it has been crazy making for me and I I do think it's an important thing to say like hey like this shit does happen to plenty of people it really does it right. happens to plenty of people good people god fearing people <laughs> Still happens. Anyway, all despite right. Best efforts. That was a good one. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Um. I guess the only other thing that I was gonna say, I guess I can say it real fast, is um something that I did early on, um, when I was first very aware of the love addiction and anxious stuff coming up, is I made a list and I put it in my loft. And it was something that just helped me to check in with the thoughts that were going on in my brain. Because when I didn't hear from my boyfriend, I would think he's dead, he hates me, uh, he's banging someone else, (laughs) on and on, just a million different things. And so I would um, check my assumptions. What was I assuming and could I prove it? And is it even worth my time to try to prove it right now? Can I prove it that this thing that I think is happening, like, is this the truth? Is it really happening? Most of the time I could not prove it. No, like that was no. And that helped you? Like, can I absolutely prove this? No, I can't. Like all these things. And, And then I would say, what is at least equally as likely in the positive direction. And I would come up with a bunch of stuff. He's at work, he's having fun, he's having a beer, he's enjoying this, he's, you just got wrapped up in this. Like, he still loves you, you know? Yeah, and he did, he still loved me. Um, And then I would have to check my interpretations. So things that I had actually seen, I would have to say, what meaning was I making out of those things? And is that actually true? Also, 99.9% of the time, not true, just pain inducing, suffering inducing. And so I would say, what is another assumption or what is another positive, equally possible scenario? Right. And can you just ask him or check with him? You could, but. Yeah, but you know, calm yourself first later, bring it up later when you're regulated. So like calm all this down and start, you know, doing your best to like burn up the energy. If that means dancing around, that means calling a friend and screaming. If you have a friend that like, I was lucky enough to have a friend who did loads and loads and loads of therapy and she's older than me. And so she was a lifesaver when it came to that relationship, because I wanted to act out and bolt and like break up with him and do all these, you know, reactionary things because I was so emotional. Um, and she kept me from doing that because she offered me other perspectives. Um, and then I was studying at the same time and I was doing all these things. I was like actively in it. And, um, just that little checklist of really checking my thoughts and then reminding myself to give him the benefit of the doubt to um, bring my energy back to myself, to find something fun for me to do that excited me and like like something I felt passionate about, or could I, you know, go 
on a discovery, like in the city and just go walking and find something new? Like, what could I do that would entertain and, and bring more juice into my own life? So it's like how, how to pull your focus away from this thing, which I have no control really over here, unless he's in my world at the time. And he wasn't, um, and just find ways to support myself, love myself, have fun, do all those things. So those were just a few of the tips, but I have more on my, um, more on my Instagram page. Yeah. I was going to say Angela writes a lot about, you write, you write plenty about anxious attachment and your, you know, your yeah. Instagram, I think is a pretty good resource for that. So check that yeah. out. It's Epic Initiator on Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you want to look at, I don't post very much, but you're welcome to check it out. Gnarl Kick on Instagram is me. And this has been. Yeah. Okay. So emotional. So emotional. Number six. All right. Drop a comment. Leave a like. Uh, ask us questions and we'll respond eventually. We'll post these. Yeah, we'll be around. We'll definitely. We'll, yeah, we'll be around. We will be around. Yeah. And let us know what topics or things you'd like us, like us to talk about. And we can yeah, talk we'll, about it. I think probably we'll do like whole po- whole episodes of just like lists of questions, you know? We'll just like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. All right. Well, Angela, it's been nice hanging out with you. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Bye, everyone. So emotional. Number six. Ow. Oops.